You know, you got to hit record. Hey, welcome to the Protectors Podcast. Incredible guest today. We've been following each other for a long time, but we just relocated and found each other on the Instagram, the gram. Welcome to the show, Trevor. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, we have been following each other for quite some, a lot of years now, but the Instagram is where I've, I've reconnected with a lot of people. I mean, I, I, I deleted the Twitter account, Jason, because I just thought it was, it was just filled with toxicity. I just thought... Can we bother with this any longer? It's just nasty, and uh, yeah, and there's no accountability. So I just decided go to move to a mature platform. So here I am. You know the thing about IG too is like, like you said, the toxic stuff. Like you choose to follow you on Instagram. You don't just kind of like come across your you on our Twitter, I, aka X or whatever it's called nowadays, where yeah. people just like they just throw jabs at you all the time. And it's some dude in his mom's basement, and he's like 300 pounds, and he's like, I could have served. And it's just like, oh, please stop. <laughs> please stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm enjoying Instagram at the minute. I mean, I've found uh, a lot of great guys on there and ladies on there, so it's uh, it's nice. But um, I've got plans this year, 2024. I'm, I'm moving in a different direction from the usual videos and stuff. I, I want to uh, – I'm working with someone at the minute. Uh, I an American to try and uh, we're moving to take my first book uh, that one there no wrong one that one there first into singing we're doing first into singing and we're, we're trying to turn it into a screenplay at the minute so that's looking exciting oh that'd be really cool man yeah we've got lots of good people lined up so it's looking really good at the minute I think you know I've seen a lot of um, a lot of veterans who write books and stuff like that who are very creative it's not just veterans they get into writing screenplays yeah, and like getting getting their stories onto like because you're very creative, you know. Well, you're creative with reality, and you can see reality differently. And when you put it into words, and then you put it in a screenplay, and then you could visualize what it would look like on the screen through your own experience. If any of that makes sense, but it's, yeah, I think it's yeah, really it cool. well. I had decided that if I got a part in a movie, I was going to play a bass rat that didn't want to leave camp. <laughs> exactly you know that the soldier. <laughs> uh-huh but yeah you got you guys go do what you're gonna do I'm, I'm just gonna hang here and drink yeah but i mean what are you up to these days anyway i see you're you're oh man you're promoting know. a lot of things which is nice it's nice to see i've been you know i should go down the laundry list of things i got going on right now and one of the things i want to talk to you about is something i think might help you so one thing I do is I have my Protectors Foundation, which is a nonprofit for like our, you know, mostly our first responders here because, you know, there are so many nonprofits out there that, you know, they have the good intentions, but they're not really providing direct support. So what I found is like we have a lot of like small police departments and actually it's not even small police departments anymore. It's like police who have no equipment or training. And if they do need new equipment or training, they have to pay for it themselves. So my big thing right now is just trying to get like decent training to as many people as I can. And then like simple equipment, like tourniquets, you know, I didn't realize, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, it's cool. They probably get issued one tourniquet, but I found that like police and stuff like that, they're always encountering people who need a tourniquet. So they're using their tourniquet. So yeah. it could be like accidents and stuff like that. So just little things like that. Then I got the podcast and the writing and everything. And and one thing you and I were talking about before we hit record was like demonetization and YouTube and, and trying to get your voice out there and not having, you know, I mean, listen, it's nice to get paid for to views and stuff like that through YouTube. But if you're putting in your work and you're putting in the time to put out a product, then you should, you know, you should have the option of people supporting you. So I've been using what they call Substack to write articles. And Substack it offers, you know, video. You can actually put podcasts on there. You could put writing on there. And it's a great platform. A lot of people use it. And it's your platform. As of now, they're not like, 
you're not getting throttled. And you'll see a lot of journalists have run over and jumped onto the Substack. So for people out there who don't understand, like when you go on a YouTube or you go even IG, I got throttled the other day for putting up um, a post about being exposed to toxins. And that got throttled. I got a thing that says this post goes against our guidelines. So I'm like, here it is, me burning marijuana and inhaling toxins and then talking about burn pits in Iraq. And it, it, I got a post that said, hey, you know what? We're going to, you know, you're not able to monetize this. So then the same thing happens with YouTube and the same thing happens at all the other platforms. So you go to Substack and Substack is basically your own little website and your, your subscribers can have free. You can have tier levels. Like people want to give you five bucks. They want to be a founding member. They could pay you a certain and you set it. So it's kind of a cool idea. And like with you, you're putting in the work and you have a lot of supporters. Then if people are supporting you, then you could put in even more work, if that makes sense. So that's one thing. Just a, a little thing maybe you could think about later on. Yeah. Well, I've been uh, in the last two days, I've had a row with the uh, thing is YouTube has this thing where every creator gets a YouTube partner program manager, which, to be honest, are pointless. They can't add any value to your channel. They're just like this. It might as well be your wife there and you're going, why can't you fix this? And they're going, because I don't have the control. I don't know anyone. So YouTube partner program managers are, are actually useless. I call them oxygen thieves. I had a row with mine yesterday and the day before saying, Trevor, we need to do a one-on-one -on -one consultation. I says, can you fix my channel? No. I says, well, then what's the point? So I, I, I've got rid of um, What I've done to YouTube is uh, I've, I've played them at their own game. Um, Basically, I, I got all 600 of my videos and I locked them down into private so they're not allowed to be played anymore and YouTube cannot earn any more revenue. So I basically, um, I, I gave up YouTube about two days ago. I think I had 155,000 subscribers. I just went, nah, I've had enough of it and walked away from it. I, I don't want to use the platform anymore. I find it very, very toxic and it's run by the wrong people. It's tough to find platforms, man. And yeah. And I hate to get political on it, but it's a true. It's you can't you can't speak to anything because a lot of my content is shooting, and I'm like, and I don't know what it is. I have probably I don't know, hundred plus videos on Instagram of me shooting, but then once in a while it'll be like this go get goes one of them, a random one of me doing a competition, not even like talking about defense or anything. And it's like, this goes against our policy. And I'm like, uh, this makes no sense. We've got to remember that now, let's look at it from this point of view. Those people that run platforms, social media, are geeks. They've never left their house. They work on computers. They don't know the outside world. And I mean every platform. They are little geeks that sit there and work on electronics. They don't know the real world. They don't know that they're able to sit in their house, do their little geeky stuff because people are out protecting them. And then they, they ask you to come onto their platform so they can make money. And you come on, they go, oh, I don't like that. Um, I mean, it's now like your opinions, your opinion is not accepted by someone else with a different opinion. Before it used to be scroll on by if you don't like someone. Now, now they stop and look at you and go, I don't like you. And you're like, well, I don't care. So, yeah, so social media is run by geeks. Uh, the people that are in charge of monitoring social media uh, are also geeks with no life experience. So, I mean, they, they all sit in a house all day looking at a computer, looking at algorithms to make sure you haven't said a word that offends mm -hmm. them. And then they de-platform you. It's, it's pathetic. And I think nowadays what they're doing is they're even skewing AI somehow, like their own, yeah. like they're putting in their algorithm algorithms into the AI. So, cause you know, in about a year, nothing, nobody like screening anything on any social media is going to be a human. It's going to be like AI, like going through here and AI is going to be set up the way they want to set it up. So those same yeah. geeks and everything are going to set up. It's like, you know what, if someone's doing this, this is an that, and I don't agree with them. Then boom. Yeah, brother. It's interesting. But you know, on a lighter note, let's talk about you. Let's talk about these books, man. You know, we got screenplays, and I don't how could you say you're having your third and final novel? There's there's always gonna be another one. Come on. I've run out of stuff to say. Ah. <laughs> uh. I mean, obviously life moves forward and, and I, I, I keep notes and diaries of things. Um the first one I wrote first in the sign was just um 
I was dealing with a lot of my own mental health trauma and I found it easier to deal with by re- writing something down and getting it out of your head helps me close that chapter. So, uh, yeah, the first thing they sang about was very controversial because um, there was quite a few people that went to Afghanistan with me, uh, then went, first thing they sang in, you weren't then sang in first. Three para were. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I was attached to three para. I was working with them. Oh, but but it's paras that went there. Yeah, it was, yeah. I was C Company, three para. The CEO, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Tuttle, who got DSO, sent my platoon there. No, that's not right. And so the whole... I knew it would cause controversy, but the, the fact is... Uh, I did write to Stuart Toodle, uh, probably about a year after the book came out, asking him. Uh, he worked, I think it was Barclays Bank he worked for. Don't quote me. I think it worked for Barclays Bank, something to do high up in the bank, doing security. And I asked him, you know, um, to get his arse in gear and to put something out to prove my point. And they don't like doing it, do they? You don't want to walk over someone's legacy by saying you were there before them. And and you know what veterans are like? You know, um, half the veteran, in fact, a tenth of the veteran community are fantastic blokes 90% are toxic you know everyone wants to beat each other up at the minute you know and uh, I just take I'm an easy soundboard you call me names all day I'll take it I'll just take it as long as it gets it off your chest you you brought up a great point we eat our own we yeah. do and it, you know it's 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 the veteran community it's the law enforcement community it's anybody who's quote unquote alpha and a reality is like and you'll see that the ones who are very toxic and the ones who want to be there, it's their ego. It is so <laughs> ego driven. And if you take a step back and say, Hey, you know what? It's not always about me. It's about the the greater good, the bigger mission. It's yeah. about telling that story. When you're telling that story, you're telling it to, a lot of times to civilians who have no idea, but in order to give them a view, then they'll get a better perspective are the people who are still serving and the veterans. So it's like, why not support each other? Can you imagine if if every vet supported every vet? I mean, obviously, oh, you don't want to support people that were like, you know, cracked out and stuff like that with with ego and stuff like that. But yeah. imagine that. But I, I did that for a while. I've stopped doing it. I'm going to be honest with you. I've stopped doing it. Um, so I left on my 2015, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19. I was out there. I mean, I was working with a great journalist, an ex-captain from Two Power called Sean Raymond. I got to know all the defence journalists in the UK, whether it was Mark Nickel from The Mail, Deborah Hayes, Richard Courage. And I was working with them all. And it was going really well. And we were pushing a campaign about mental health and how we should tackle the stigma and what we should add to resettlement to help troops move forward. And it was going really, really well. I mean, I was raising money. I was doing just giving pages. I was raising tens of thousands of pounds. It was all accounted for. It was all going to different charities. And I loved it. Uh, I was showing trans- transparency. But it just takes, I mean, there were some veterans who took the piss. Um, uh, one veteran asked me to help him buy 10 mountain bikes so we could take veterans out. And I went, so basically you want me to set up your business so you can take veterans? I said, no, nah, I can't do it. And the minute you say, no, I'm not going to help you, it's like, ah, that's because you're a scammer. And then they go down the road of calling you a scammer and a thief. You're doing it for your own benefit. I mean, to be honest, just, there's one veteran in particular that I'm not allowed to mention at the minute, but there's one veteran in particular who uh, used to be in the U.S. Army who lives about seven miles from me now. Every month or two months, he reports me to Suffolk Police for scamming and fraud and theft. And I'm constantly going around a circle of going in, clearing my name, coming out, going in, clearing my name. And he's obsessed. So... I've, I, I actually stopped raising money for veterans uh, probably about four four years ago, whenever the fingers from him started pointing. And then when he points, someone else goes, well, maybe it is true. Well, maybe. So I've stopped helping veterans because I just found that the dozens and dozens of veterans that I did help, just whenever fingers are getting pointed at you, they don't step up and go, well, he helped me. They stand back and let you take all the shit rather than go, no, Trevor did do this for me, Trevor did do this for me. No, he helped me here, he helped me here. So the fact that people you've helped decide to take a step back and not support you was enough. For me, it was validation to not help any more veterans. And it sounds awful saying that, but unfortunately, that's how I move forward now. And I find I've got an easier mental health and my days are a lot easier without the dramas of constant emails. Can you help me fix my roof? Can you help me put petrol in my car? I've just stopped doing it because of the toxicity within the veterans community. It's sad, but it's true. 
It's, you know what, it's, it's incredibly sad. And there are so many people that, that take a step back. Yeah. That's why you don't really see me jumping on and supporting a lot of different nonprofits and stuff like that. But I could see absolutely what you did was the right thing. When you're attacking you and they're attacking your mental health, your missions, your mission, helping veterans. Hey, that's one of your missions. Hey, you moved on to something else. Now you're writing your videos. Everything else is another way to help you yeah. and help others. You know, the nonprofit world, one thing I did with my nonprofit was I said, look, I don't want to collect money. And I'm Adam, I'm very adamant about this, but I still get people donating. Mm -hmm. Is that I want companies and I want businesses to donate their money. Cause you see a lot of nonprofits out there saying, asking mom and pops, friends and family and and people who are barely scraping by to donate to them. And you know, someone who some people, it's tough to put food on a table nowadays. And when you're asking them for $20, $30, $40 a month to support your, your nonprofit, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that money goes to great, great causes. But the reality is there are, we both know this, numerous corporations out there who have made billions and trillions of dollars on wars and, and other equipment and everything else that, hey, you know, maybe if they support a nonprofit, they'll get their tax break and you'll use them the way that they were able to, to use your, your, uh, your body. Yeah. I'd say, you know, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, a am an ambassador for a, a mental health charity, a veterans mental health charity here in the UK, which, which, I mean, they do great work. So I, I, and they don't pay wages. They get donations and the donations go to pay for therapists. And, uh, no other charity in the UK does that. I mean, I used to be a patron of other charities as well, but I took a step back when I seen that things, I wasn't happy with what I was seeing, so I took a step back from other. And another charity called Veterans in Action that I was a patron for do fantastic work. And uh, whenever I was challenging politicians in the Ministry of Defence, I spoke to the boss of the charity. I said, listen, I love your charity, but it's best I take a step back because whenever I'm starting to challenge politicians and if they say I'm associated to you, it could affect their funding. So, yeah, he was happy. I, but. I, I like how you take a stand. And, I, you know, unfortunately, I shouldn't, I, you know, I, I struggle with it sometimes because I'm like, I try to stay as middle of the road as possible and still yeah. take a stand. But it's yeah. tough, man. It is absolutely tough. But you are able to talk. You're able to use your past and your experiences to shine a light on, on topics. And that's one thing I want to talk to you about is the military cross. You know, I know like over here and I know our different, um, we have the silver stars, bronze star. We have the, the single service crosses. We have medal of honor, but I'm not quite familiar with, with how the UK and how you guys all work. So let's talk about that. Let's take me back to that. Well, first of all, um, your highest medal is a conspicuous, uh, the Medal of Honor, yeah? Uh, Congressional Medal of Honor, yeah. Yeah, Congressional mm -hmm. Medal of Honor. I'm just, see, I've got all these medals in my head. Now. That's why I went conspicuous. Mm -hmm. But um, so yours is the Medal of Honor, which is the top one, which is equivalent to, I would say, our Victoria Cross, which is our top medal. Now, below our VC, we've got a thing called Conspicuous Gallantry Cross, which is, it's it's not quite the VC, but you basically, it, it's on par. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of, it's, it's nearly there. It's it's a bravery medal. Uh, in the face of enemy forces, you know, when outnumbered, outgunned, you still fought, you still saved lives. It's one of those medals. Um, then below the, uh, below there we have the George Cross, which is, so we got the VC, conspicuous Gallantly Cross, the George Cross. I've got the Military Cross, which is just below them. Uh, yeah, and, and it used to only be given out to officers for many years, and then they changed the criteria of it. So uh, I was one of the very first uh, non-officers, um, other ranks to get that. But uh, I disagree with with receiving medals like that. I, I really do. Um and I've always hated it. Uh, the, the Milky Cross has given, it, it hasn't helped me in any way. If anything, it's maybe more of a target. Um, yeah, I think Winston Churchill once said, uh, the shiniest gongs cast the darkest shadows. Uh, because whenever you're given a Gallantry Medal, 
they put you on a pedestal and you are the target for, for some people will like you, other people will hate you. And there's no in between. I mean, my mental has, has brought me nothing but misery, if I'm honest. I wish I'd never received it. Um, because to receive a medal like that, you can't just run out and do... If you run out and do do something, uh, say, unbelievable, you save a life or you take a life, uh, you don't do it by yourself, Jason. You, you, no one does things by themselves. It's a teamwork. You have to have a group of people to, around you to put down suppressive fire, <clears throat> to actually... Um, Maneuver the vehicles or maneuver around the ground in order for you to do a certain act. So you cannot win a gallantry medal on your own. And anyone that says that's a liar, uh, it takes a it takes a lot of people doing bravery things at the same time for something to be achieved. And uh, to single out someone to give them a medal, I think it's a disgrace. If I'm honest, uh, I've never really uh, liked it. But uh, yeah, and it's brought me nothing but shit. If I'm honest, so I've never liked it. The other thing too that comes with it is like when you do speak your your truth, then it's always like you know Trevor, you know received the highest one of the highest decorations, and it's Trevor uh, Military Cross. It's like it's ever just Trevor. It's always now that now that you have that, it's always going to be following with you. Yeah, I know, and uh, I don't like it. I mean, it's brought me nothing but misery, and it sounds bad saying that, but it's brought me nothing but misery. I mean. I've had hit meal. Uh, I've had my, I've had my son's tennis club uh, called and told not to let me in because I was a paedophile. Uh, I've had threats. I've been targeted. My family's been targeted. My friends get targeted because they know me. Uh, I once and I, I don't want to mention the news work, but it begins with A and ends with zero. Um, they once wanted to have me on their shows to to me. I mean, I've been called baby killer. All the shit that goes with it. But the, um, I've got. I have an armor now, just I've got an armor now where it's you can't you can't get through. I mean, I grew up being called ginger. I mean, uh, rusty roof, dirty sailor. I've had it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm pretty impenetrable now with with the amount of stuff gets thrown at me. I just I just take it as it's just part of you part know. Of I've noticed as I think you and I kind of went in the service the same. I went in '93, and you joined what around '94, right? I joined uh, American Independence Day, 1994, 4th of July. Oh, there we go. You know what? What a great day. You know, I have to tell <laughs> you this, Trevor. My favorite holiday is July 4th. You oh, know, and it's so, you know, just, just, just so you know that. Just so you know where Good. I stand. And I'll just say it. I just love it. I, I love, you know, just the whole thing about it. But, yeah. you know, having that, you and I, we joined in like different times. You know, the 90s yeah. were different, man. They were different. And like I'm, I was an enlisted artillery in the '90s, and then later on, I was an infantry officer. But you know, I didn't my my service in Iraq was nothing compared to, you know, so many people like real oh, combat. I, I know. You got to remember that uh, for us, the British like to poke a bit like the Americans. We like to poke our nose everywhere. So in the '90s was a very, when we had Kosovo, we had Bosnia, mm -hmm, we, mm -hmm. we had Northern Ireland. You know, so oh, yeah. we've always had a conflict to go to. You know. We've always had training in other yeah. countries. <laughs> Those Brits, man. You know what? Let's not, let's talk about the seventeen. No, I'm just kidding. The seventeen hundreds. <laughs> no, man. It, but out of everything in my life, and as we get older, you know, I just hit fifty-one. The only thing I do a lot. We talked about that. I do a lot, but a lot of what I do now is more of a legacy for my kids. Mm. You know, someone brought this up to me the other day, and they're like, "Look." you have 480 something. Well, at the time it was 450, 450 podcast episodes. So when my, when I'm dead and gone, my grandkids and my kids can listen to me chatting with people yeah. all the time. I write books. I, I do the foundation. I do everything. 95% of it is for my kids. So I have yeah. a legacy so they could see something that's different than they don't know me when I was like soldier, uh, officer or law enforcement or anything i mean they know me with law enforcement but years after i got out of the field so now they can have some sort of legacy and that you know with your books and everything you have a legacy and with your being outspoken you have a legacy and you did mention not liking the award but the thing is your generations ahead of you you know your kids grandkids or your great grandkids are going to be like oh yeah you know, great, great grandpa was this and that, and they'll be able to look at that legacy. 
I a small one though, Jason. You've got to remember it's going to be a small. It's it's a small window mm-hmm. because in a hundred years' time, someone's going to live. Someone's going to live in the house that we worked hard for. All our belongings are going to be in the bin. No one's going to remember mm-hmm. any of our photographs, and that's just in a hundred years' time. We'll yeah. we may we may be brought up in a conversation uh, when two people are having a beer, but then um, we're working hard today to be forgot about in the future. So you know, I just now think relax, just relax, just you know, take each day as it comes. Enjoy watching your kids grow up. Don't be so don't be on your phone twenty four seven. You know, just just enjoy life. Oh, I'm enjoying life. <laughs> I'm I'm semi-retired now. A yeah. lot of things that, you know, that's the thing about social media too, is it looks like, you know, I could do this, like you and I will talk. We'll talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And then it takes me five, 10 minutes to edit it. And then uh, it's done, you know? Yeah. And like with the foundation and stuff, I'm putting in a little work here and there, but I don't use, um, I don't put my kids on social media just because of that toxic, that toxicity and, there are some yeah. interesting people out there who follow me and Hey, thank you for following me. But some people send some interesting stuff. So, but yeah. most of the time I'm, I'm taking my daughter to soccer. I'm playing catch my playing football. With my son, we're watching shows. We're doing this, we're doing that and everything. That's my life. That's the life yeah. I love. That is like, that is my mental health right there. Because if I think back about my career and I think back about things, it, it takes me to a dark place. It takes me to like, to a point where I'm like, huh? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've, I've got the, well, I've been to PTSD resolution, which is a mental health charity. And I, I've got my therapist who lives only a few miles away. And uh, there's times when I just give her a ring and get advice and stuff, because sometimes I slip back into that role of, 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 of feeling sorry for myself. Uh, but um, I then get a kick up the ass and uh, I'm back out of it. But the, I I love my own company. I'm, I could sit here all day and just binge watch TV, make a coffee. I'm happy. But the weird thing is, even though I like my own company, I sort of hate being by myself all the time. So I would rather that my partner comes and sits on the chair and watches TV, and then I sit on another chair, and I'm in my own little world. Sometimes it's nice to have someone there, but I don't want people there all the time, Jason. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Welcome to my world. I, uh, you know, it's the it's the thing. It's like this this solitude. I like you know a lot of times what I'll do is I like to write a lot, and I like to get out and I like to go to a coffee shop. But I'll put my headphones in and I'll listen to tunes. And I'll write and I like to be around people, but I don't like to be talking to people. Yeah, most of the time I'm talking to people is like right now. These are like. I have like two or three friends that are nearby and I'll see them maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks. I spend most of my time with my kids. I'll be texting friends and stuff like that here and there, but I'm mostly, a, I'm mostly in my own little solitude, my own yeah. little like creative sphere. And like when you were talking about, you know, it's your last book, what's, what's your creative outlet outside of, of this? What is you, what do you do that, you know, besides just watching like me, like watching my damn 48 hours, true crime crap. But what do you do like to, to keep your mental space? Um, you're going to laugh at this now. I like to go out, not every day, but most days. And I'm, I'm happy to go and sip and just have a coffee. I like to go to, I've got a hotel, uh, which is uh, not my hotel, clearly. There's a hotel where I know the owners of it and they're fantastic. And they're in a place called Woodbridge. And I'll pop into there. And I get, I know all the staff. I just, I'll just sit at the table. Uh, I'll have my coffee, and I look right out towards the war memorial and the lovely plants. And I, to me, that's me. I sit, have my coffee. I look at so, and I'll do this to different places each each week. I'll go and sit somewhere, have a cup. So I like to do that. Um, I like watching my son play football. He's a good little footballer, and uh, yeah, just doing things and going for a walk. Uh, the, the, my partner doesn't really like to go for walks that long, if I'm honest. So uh, it's a nightmare with her. Uh, she wants to get fit, Jason. She's always wants to get fit, but she doesn't want to go for a walk. So um, that's a struggle. Um, but I just like I like going for walks along the countryside. It's, it's it sounds weird saying this, but I'm happy when I'm at peace with things. I'd love to go and sit in the woods by myself and, and make a brew, jacket potato, just chill. I just I don't like people, Jason, anymore because they've 
they've let me down that much now that I just don't like people. It sounds awful. I'd rather sit and chat with my dog died in November, so I was gutted. But uh, I'd rather lose 10 of my friends to get my dog back, okay? I really would because my dog added value to my life and a lot of people don't. And that sounds really harsh, doesn't it? But it's true. Everything you've just said sounds like most of us. You know, a lot. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say most of us. I would say a lot of us. When you take the ego and stuff away, I um, yeah. everywhere I go now, like here's my coffee mug. I have coffee stickers everywhere. One of my friends really got me into getting away from the chains and trying different coffee places. And well, that's my thing. It's like, oh, Soldier On Coffee Company. There we go. <laughs> My my goal is to try to just go to different coffee places, sit. And mm. it's not always about being doing. It's not always about doing. I like to do the same thing. I like to relax. I like rucking because what I do is I, you know, I just get in there and I just walk. I'll listen to a book. I'll just chill. Mm. And I like to, I like the solitude. I like the idea of trying different coffee. You know, I used to be a black coffee guy. Boom. Give me some harsh black coffee. And I like to go somewhere. I like to look at the owners. I like to look at the story of the coffee shop. I yeah. like to be like, hey, you know what? I mean, what's different about this one? It a lot of times when you go to these coffee places, and I'm gonna have to yeah. go on like a tour of England and stuff like that too, of all their coffee. A lot of times when you look like into the websites and stuff and you look at about the owners, a lot mm -hmm. of them have come from like interesting backgrounds and they're they're doing this because they love doing it and they love bringing that joy to other people. And a lot of them have faced some harsh times in different countries, and now they have a coffee shop. Well, so, yeah, the guy, the guy who who runs this, Soldier I mean, on Coffee, he does it. His name's Brian Phillips. He does it. Uh, he's on Instagram actually. He does it because it's a hobby, uh, and and the story's amazing. He's he lives a, a couple of miles from my parents. He's from where I'm from in Belfast. Um, he lost both his legs as an amputee on operations, and this is a hobby for him now. And uh, it's it's a great it's a great little thing uh, he sends me coffees and i've got woolly hats and t-shirts from him and uh all i do in return is uh, and i'm being straight all i do is promote him and, and just and he doesn't he never asked he never once asked me to promote him i just was scrolling through instagram and i came across carrick fergus coffee soldier on coffee and i thought oh it looks good and i sent him a message going i didn't know there was a coffee house in belfast i'm promoting other brands and i'll do your and i said I'll promote yours for free. I, I don't. I. I just think it's great, and his coffee tastes lovely. He. I mean, he's a nice guy, and uh, I think yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. We should. I. I. If we all supported a wounded veteran, or we all uh, supported somebody, this would be fantastic. But we can you imagine that? Can you imagine like if you just got on? Like I'm. I'm pushing around six or seven thousand listens a week. And I would imagine every all of my followers said, "Hey, you know what? Listen to this podcast. Check this podcast out. They had a good conversation. Yeah, that'd be nice. And it's not about the money for me. Like the podcast is like I I don't have any sponsors right now. You know, I went and I did a detail with the government uh, before I retired. I went to work back for a Department of Homeland Security, and I knew it was going to be controversial if anybody found out I was working with them at oh. the time. So." And DHS didn't know who they were bringing on as a detail. So I'll tell you a little story here. So uh, <laughs> I'm a whistleblower. And <laughs> I, I, I was a whistleblower when I worked for Homeland Security about uh, migrant children uh, being victimized. So years later, I'm, I'm working for a different agency. And I put in for what they call a presidential uh, management rotation thing. It's a pretty, it's a big thing. My supervisor helped me get into it. I think only 107 certain federal employees get to do it. So when you do it, you can apply to different agencies to go work with them for six months. So I go, hey, you know what? Uh, just for the hell of it, I'm going to put DHS, Department of Homeland Security, policy. So go work for the main Homeland Security, working for the main policy people. And they accepted me. They obviously never Googled my name. So I go and I work there and I was like, you know, just to do this, I better get rid of all the sponsors I have for the podcast. Cause I don't want them to be like, come after me for anything. I was like, as in getting paid uh, while I'm working for the government. Cause my agency was fine. They're like, I yeah, do whatever you want. So I go there and I work for six months for the Homeland security working, writing policy directly for the secretary. It was just funny. But since I got done with that, and I retired. I'm like, uh, you know, 
it's tough for me and it's tough for a lot of people to go and ask for people to support my projects. I don't know. It's just tough for me to ask for money. I, it's so, it's different. I don't know. Have you ever been, have you ever, um, there's a lot of good guys out there that, that I know, uh, that are always looking for people to, to work with. Um, Rob O'Neill, Makuya has got a good podcast called the operator. He's a great guy. Um, He's always looking at different projects, always trying to expand. So maybe that's an avenue you could go down and ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know quite a few decent guys, uh, but America's so big. You can fit Europe in there. It's not like you can walk across the street. You know, I've never been – here's my my world – I'm a world traveler, brother. I've been to the Bahamas <laughs> once when I was a kid. I've been to Kuwait. I've been to Iraq. And I stopped in Ireland on the way back from Iraq, and I went to Germany. And I went to Germany in 2019 for Oktoberfest. So I just went, I did the fest for a day, but then I went hiking all over and I loved it. And I've always wanted, I've got to get back to Europe, man. I have got to get over there. I just want to hike everywhere. And that's what I love about it. I just, I need to get over there and just like you're saying, walk. There is nothing like just walking in a different land. I, I absolutely love it, man. So I think I need to come over there and get some coffee with you, brother. It'd be brilliant. I mean, for, for me, it, it, it's easy. I mean, I live uh, just outside London. Uh, I can be in France in two hours, and that's packing, leaving in France. I mean, I was in, uh, I was in France uh, last weekend. I mean, a few weekends before that, I was in Budapest. Just, it's easy. Just, we can just travel Bulgaria, Romania. We, we can, it's so easy for us to travel around. Um, I've been, I've been. I've been to the U.S. once, <laughs> which is well, which is a trip of a lifetime. Um, Two thousand eight, I got flown. I got flown over uh, to uh, Washington D.C. I stayed in a hotel which faces the West Wing. It's right on the corner. Massive hotel, beautiful. Uh, and then I went. I went to see Bush in the Oval Office. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good day. <laughs> you haven't seen America. I mean, I live here. I live right outside of Washington, D.C. You have not seen America. You you know, you have not seen like no, the real right. the real United States. This is this is a facade, this whole area around here. And it's just I don't know, man. There are so many cool places to see. I've still yet to see some of the really, you know, I've lived all over this country. I've lived everywhere from California to Texas, Minnesota, Colorado, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Oh. Jeez, I've lived like probably 10 or 12 different states. Mm. And there's still so much to see here. You've got to get, you would love the Appalachian Trail. I mean, I grew up right on the Appalachian Mountains. And what it is, it's like a, I'm thinking, what, two or 3,000, 2,000? I don't know how many miles it is. Huge mm. trail. It's the whole mountain range. There's so many different things to see that aren't Washington, D.C. I know. Well, that was to do with work, though, if I'm honest. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah, so that was an interesting day, but uh, I want to go back over. I keep getting invited to Texas. Come, come stay in Texas, Trev. Come, yeah, yeah. Only steers and queers come from Texas. <laughs> that's, that's a movie quote, by the way. Before anyone has to go, mate, that's a movie quote. But um, yeah, Full Metal Jacket, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah, they film they, that in England? I'm not too sure. They, no, they filmed it in the US, didn't they? They felt they had quite a few sets where they they did that. You know, but it was. Oh, I'm thinking movie. like. Jeez, there was something big that was filmed there. I didn't realize it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up that. Band yeah, you got Brothers. it. Yeah, Band of Brothers. You know, there are so much to see here. Texas is great, but Texas is like its own country. Yeah, and there are so many different like landscapes in Texas. Colorado is beautiful. Um, yeah, man, there's this, and I went to Montana a few years ago, and that was incredible. Jeez, man, there's just so much. It's just different countries. Like within one. I think if I visit America, I need to take a month out and just spend a month mm-hmm. going around. You couldn't, I mean, a, a, week's a, waste, a week's a waste of a trip. You know what I mean? You might as well go for a month. Now, if you go to Florida, make sure you Google Florida man first. And then just start looking at everything. Florida <laughs> is a different, a different, different land. Like I say, it's a different country. It's a different land. And uh, just everybody out there, Google, if you're if you're listening from overseas, Google Florida Man, and you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's uh, very interesting. The movie on Netflix, isn't it? 
Oh, well, yeah, that's a little bit. Th- I like that show too, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will. I will Google it. So what is like, you know, what are you doing now, man? Like, um, right now I'm in the middle of a, well, I'm coming to the end of a court case. I've been fighting with the UK Ministry of Defence for, for quite a few years for different issues with that. So that's coming to an end. In fact, I had a big row with my solicitor last night about it because uh, we're, we're at the end now, so tensions are a bit, are a bit frail. Uh, me and my sister had an argument last night. We ended up both, instead of arguing with each other, we pointed the fingers at, at, at our barrister and we blamed him. And he's like, it's not my job. So I'm dealing with that at the minute. Um I'm currently finishing off uh, a novel, which I'm doing at the minute. And apart from that, um, I'm not really doing. I've got a few projects on the go. As I said, we're doing the screen. This we're writing the screen thing for first into sang, and that's been put forward. So, um, and I'm helping Matthew Marsden launch his YouTube, which should be any day now. I mean, he sh- took me a couple of years to get it into him. Do it. It's extra money. Do it because. Um, Matthew's a great actor, but Matthew, along with probably about forty or fifty actors in Hollywood, mm-hmm. have all have all been sort of pushed to the side because they because they because they've got a brain and they speak out about topics which concern them. Um, you're meant to stand in line and you're meant to stand in line and take it if you're an actor or if you're in the public eye. You know, the minute you have an opinion, you're then lambasted, aren't you? So. I'm helping him with different things. And yeah, I just, I keep busy. I like to help different people do different things. And Yeah. I've been following him for a while. And I, you know, I love his content, man. Cause you know, a lot of times it's the same thing. It's like, you know, Hey, here's my son. Here's his son and everything. But once you have like a voice, it's like, Oh, yeah. here, here they are. And I, you know, <laughs> social media, if you look at the, like in the U S we have 320 something million, million people. Now, if you add in the rest of the world and stuff, but on social media, you get these same people, the same attackers, the same vitriol. And it's just like, oh, please, I just want to have an opinion. You don't, <laughs> if you don't like it, just listen to it. Move on. You don't have to agree with me, but that's my opinion. That's the facts that I know. Yeah. And it's just like, geez. Yeah, <sighs> some people think their opinions are facts, though. And that's mm-hmm. worth yeah i almost wonder if it's like you know i'm not even gonna say i almost wondered nine times out of ten it's ego it's ego people just want to be like i am the one i'm the alpha i'm the top of the notch person i know more than them and it's just like i'm like bro i'm 51 years old i'm like you're good do you do what you do you do you and i'll I'll do me i'm getting to your level of of a relaxed type person i'm only 40 I'm 48. I'm 49 in April, actually. But oh, you got a uh, 49 in April. I'm not even going to try to do math. I was going to try to say, okay, well, you're almost there, man. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> I've reached a stage in my life now, just where I'm just. I don't want to be the alpha male. I'm happy. Listen, I'm quite happy on my step. I I know where my my I know where I I know my worth. I'm happy to sit on a step. If someone wants to be out there, go for it. Go for it. Go and take the battle to the enemy. I'll stand mine the step. Now, if someone comes on my step, I'll defend my step. But I'm happy just to chill now. I've done all that crap in the past. It's now time to relax. I don't need to be the best at anything. I want to have fun. Like I do a lot of this like shooting stuff. And I'll tell people right off the bat, I'm like, I'm I'm never gonna be the best. I'm never I love I just like having fun. And now I'm doing photography. I'm not gonna be the best photographer, but I love taking pictures of people. Yeah. I love expressions of people. I love just, I love, because people love having pictures of themselves. Cause it's like, it's, it's just, and that's not like the ego thing. It's like some people just never ask. I love yeah. taking pictures of people because I'm like, they never, sometimes they never see themselves that way. Yeah. They only see like the social media selfies and stuff, but they don't see like behind the lens and the, the crinkles of their skin and humanity. I, yeah. I don't like I don't like taking a lot of landscapes because it's like that's my view of the landscape. I want I want to look at like my roadmap of people's faces and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling now. <laughs> yeah, well, I I mean the gun and the shooting and the competitions. I mean, I used to be into that type of thing, but Canal Reeves put me off. He's a Hollywood actor, clearly everyone mm-hmm. knows him. But I watched him on a video and I just went, 
how can someone be that so good with the weapon system? So and then from there on, and I just quit. I just there's no point. There's there's no point. <laughs> you know, I. Uh... <laughs> He's actually awesome with weapons. I systems. know. <laughs> I know. I don't even want to look at that guy anymore. I love Keanu no. It's just like, there you was, know, come on, bro. There was, like... <laughs> there was loads of guys who do CQB and, and, and Snipe and just, just, who just quit that day. Just went, nah. Yeah. <laughs> and fucking, you know, I, 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 sorry, excuse my French, but Tom Cruise, seriously, I saw him training for the movie Collateral and how he's yep. going out and he's doing all the shooting. I actually oh. think they use SAS to, to train him that stuff, but I'm like, come on, man. You know, just, just fake it. <laughs> but he's actually shooting yeah. real rounds. I like doing it because I um because I just got out of law enforcement. So 23 years in that. And it it does help. And I like to do it because I like to train people too. I'm an instructor. Yeah. And I like to get people into it who are especially the ones that are in law enforcement. It's because a lot of times when you're in our in this career field over here, you're shooting at targets that are straight on in front of you and you're shooting mm-hmm. paper. But with these competitions I do, you're running, you're gunning, you're shooting and stuff like that. And it's more along the lines of it's good for people who are into competing against themselves, putting themselves under a little bit of stress. But especially if you're in a a field that you have to use a firearm, it's good. But I tell you what, I I love I, law I, enforcement, law enforcement is it's completely different than than, than soldiering. And soldiering in, in foreign countries, I could get away with things. I don't mean bad things, but I could get away mm-hmm. with how to kill a target. Where law enforcement have a small window, there could be civilians around. You, yep. you've got to look. You got to look for uh, lateral damage. Make sure no one around. Who's in line of fire? I mean, is there gas canisters about? Is there, so you've got all these things to consider as law enforcement. But that when you're out in a battlefield, I mean, downrange is, is, is the enemy. And, and and I don't like people that say, but there's civilians there. The truth is, and the truth is, there is never any civilians in front of me when there's enemy firing at me. Civilians tend to go and hide when the Taliban or Al-Qaeda or terrorists or, or insurgents, whenever they pop up and they're shooting at you, civilians have already scarpered, they're already gone. So there's no such thing as innocent civilian got shot. It never happened with me in Afghanistan. I've, I've never seen it happen. I've never seen, oh, someone comes out the house pushing a trolley. Oh, I didn't know there was a gunfight on. It, it's it's nonsense. So uh, at least whenever you were fighting against an enemy, you knew that your the rounds were going in the direction of a threat not civilian casualties. And we have so many shootings here in the U S and I, I never bring up gun laws and all the other stuff. Mm. But the thing is when you're talking about collateral, you're talking about like, you know, I had a, a guest yesterday. We were talking about active shooters. And the thing is like, you have a responsibility if you're going to carry a firearm to be able to put your rounds on target because of what's behind it. A lot of times when someone's squeezing off rounds, there's people around. People are running, gunning, or they're running and ducking for cover. Yeah. But when you're when you're trying to take out that threat, you need to be able to put your rounds on that threat because yeah. you don't want to hurt hurt kids, people, well, innocents. Well, the one thing about right, the world always criticizes the U.S. for having guns. It always will because you know what? Whenever we can't criticize something else, we look for something else to criticize. But the one thing I understand, you've got your amendments and you go by them, and you know what? And rightly so. I would never criticize someone else's laws and where you do it. And I know that if, if I was in the US and I went to apply for a gun, I know I'm the right age. Um, I I know that I could probably get one, but I just want a bit of advice from you. See when you buy a gun in the US. Is there something set in stone where if you buy a gun, you have to go and carry out a weapon handling test and you have to go and zero or shoot on a range? Is there is that part of buying a gun? To see if you're all I'm trying to say is to show the gun seller that you're competent with that weapon system. Does that happen? No. That's just and you know, you know, and that's one of the reasons I got in my instructor too, was because I want to teach people families. Mm. specifically the responsibility of having a firearm in the house. Yeah. You know, about your, you know, 
you and I, have, we've been around guns for a long time. We've been around firearms, rifles, pistols, everything. But when you get someone, and nowadays with so much going on, people from both sides of the party want a firearm. Yeah. And my goal is to teach families like, look, just because a gun is in a room doesn't mean it's automatically going to shoot someone. But if you put a gun in a room and it's loaded and you don't tell your children about it and you don't tell their children what happens when it, you pick it up and pull that trigger and it goes boom and the how dangerous it is and deadly, then people get hurt. Do people know how to secure their firearms? Do they know how to what a safe is? Do they know what a gun lock is? Do they know how to clear a weapon? A lot of times you can go, if you're at a legal age, and buy a firearm. You can watch some YouTube or whatever to try to figure out how to shoot it. But I know every time I go to the range here, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll rent a private range because I'm afraid of what's out there in the lanes next to me. People picking up a firearm for the first time don't know how to use it. So my goal is to go in and talk to family, say, this is you. I have these rubber guns. I have a, a fake pistols, everything from revolvers to semi-automatics, all different types, and, and, and show them and show them fake bullets and then introduce the real gun with no ammo. And then show them how to manipulate it and eventually work up to the point where we go to the range and everybody hears what that boom is. And they see that bullet go down range and they see that bullet hit the target and shred it. And that's my goal is is to teach people just to be responsible with it. Guns aren't going to go away. Yeah. I see the other side of this argument, though, whereas um, there's no point in these senators and these people putting they're putting pressure on responsible. This is the issue I see. They're trying to put more pressure on the responsible gun holders. It's like it needs chained down, but we're responsible. So it doesn't matter what laws change. It doesn't matter what pressure they apply to the responsible gun holders. The assholes are still going to go out and do terrible things with guns who will not adhere to all these. All these new laws are making it more difficult for if someone comes to break into your house and they've got a gun, you then have to run to a locker, unlock this, unlock that. Mm-hmm. Get the so all the restrictions are being put on responsible people, while the people that are nasty don't have any responsibility. And that's the that's the other side of the argument. Why are we applying pressure on the gun holders? We should be applying pressure, get the cops on the street. And it's imp- it's going to be impossible. I mean, the, the, it's, it's impossible to sort of police, let's be honest. Um, if someone sets out that day to go and do a crime, they're going to achieve it no matter what. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's difficult. Um, well, Trevor, instance, nasty, it, nasty happens in seconds. Yeah, Police and, responses and, in minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. And, and, and it's always going to be hard. I mean, unfortunately, um, right, the UK has, I don't know, uh, 2% lunatics. But because your country's four times the size of us, you've got four times the amount of lunatics that we have. And that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> the world is full of lunatics. Holy crap. You know, brother, I appreciate you coming on. I, I like having this conversation. I'm going to come overseas and you're going to take me to your favorite coffee place. Oh, yeah. And then be- uh, I need. I really do need to come over there, man. And you got to come over here and don't come to Washington, D.C. <laughs> I mean, I, I, hey, I, listen, yeah. you know. There, there, I shouldn't say don't come here, but there's there's plenty of places to see that aren't Washington, D.C. I know. Well, the thing is, I, 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 I've been arrested before. I don't think you'd let me in anyway. Oh, shit. There we go. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm coming to you. <laughs> I know. Well, th- thanks thanks for having me on. I really did appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Love chatting to you, Jason. And we'll chat again soon, hopefully.